Welcome everybody again to the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And today uh, we have a special guest uh, over the uh, phone with us, um, Pastor Carlos Smith from the Journey Church up in St. Louis. How are you doing today, sir? Oh man, I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, so we wanted to have, uh, you know, we, we hadn't been here for a week, so we, we last time we got together we did four episodes. Um, we're, getting, we're, go, we're getting together again to do four episodes in one day and then uh, put them out on the podcast um, over the next few weeks anyway. But, uh, you know, in the light of everything, um, we missed last, uh, last week, which was a, a very fueled time um, in America, you know, on top of everything that happened with COVID. Um, we've had, an, you know, more news coming around and more movements coming around to deal with. And we didn't get to um, deal with the initial shock. Um, the initial news and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of cool to have a week where we didn't have any vitriol going into the mix where we could uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And so a week later here, we get to come back and, um, and speak and uh, have a special guest with us to talk about, uh, you know, just the issues concerning uh, race and the church, um, you know, especially whenever it comes to uh, multi-ethnic churches. Um, that have a very blended family um, and mm-hmm. how that responds. Like, you know, what, what does a pastor do? What do congregations do whenever um, congregations themselves are a microcosm of the world the way they should be. Um, but whenever we still are in our flesh and are, and, and can easily act out in, in flesh, even amongst brothers and sisters. And so this is a very poignant conversation that I'm glad to ha- and happy to have today, especially in light of a conversation I had last night in the community um, where um, in a tattoo shop, a bunch of guys got together, dressed up to the nines, and um, we had a panel discussion, um, just, you know, just a group of guys in Springfield. We had a cop there. Um, you know, a white cop there. We had uh, my pastor from Redeemer Church, Greg Gomer, was there on the panel. And then we had three other guys um, that wanted to talk about the black community, what they were feeling, what they were talking about. And it was just a great time to listen, sit back and listen to them. What are they saying? What are they what are they wanting? What are they needing? And how and, and from our end, what how does the gospel play into that? So I'm glad to have Car- you um, on the show today, Carlos, um, as a pastor um, in a big city. Um, that that has that multi-ethnic family and and see what your view is what you're seeing and um you know asking you really good questions to get to the heart of the issue uh Carlos, oh, if, if you don't mind brother just tell us a little bit about yourself um and who you are um because a lot of folks probably have who is this gentleman that ray ray and dave are connected with we're actually really not that connected so just tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and how god has called you to st louis yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, so um glad to uh, be on the podcast with you guys. I do appreciate um, you all inviting me. Um, so I've been, uh, let me say, I've been to St. Louis now um, almost 10 years uh, to the day at this point. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, it's everything I would have dreamed of and more. Um, and so I'm um I'm uh, from Detroit, native of Detroit, Michigan, um, and I came to St. Louis to attend Covenant Theological Seminary. Uh, and so I came here um, after entering ministry, um, entering the preaching ministry, um, and just kind of finding out, like, man, I need some more. I need some more training. I need to know more about what I'm doing. So uh, the Lord led me to Covenant. I went there, finished up my MDiv. Um, and so you mentioned that, um, I'm currently the, the lead pastor at the, the journey, uh, uh, Hanley road. So the journey, uh, we are a multi-site church, uh, with five locations. Um, and I pastor our university city location, which is in the shadow of Washington university. Um, so it is a very, uh, young church. Um, our average age is about 35. Um, and we have, uh, several college students, a lot of internationals. Um, and we are, um, we are a diverse church becoming, looking to become more diverse, uh, but still, uh, fairly diverse. Uh, right now, I think last time we did a survey or something, 
um, about uh, 70% of our, uh, or 74% of our congregation um, are white, and then we have um, about 25% um, uh, basically everyone else with African Americans making up the large majority of that other 25%. So um, we, we are um, already uh, multi-ethnic, uh, but are seeking to, to become more diverse. I mean, it's just in our, um, it is in our, um, in our mission statement, you know, that we are a diverse church centered on Jesus. And so, um, I'm also a PhD student, um, at, um, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm currently, um, if I can get through this theological journey, man, I'm telling you, I'm hoping <laughs> a dissertation, uh, I'm hoping to do my dissertation on, uh, the, the image of God, um, and cognitive disabilities. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, we were and, saying that, that, that's just such a wonderful thing because, you know, apologetically, you know, people do have questions on that um, as far as, you know, what, how does God treat the, you know, because of sin, there is mental issues. And, you know, whenever it's somebody that, you know, maybe we, they don't profess faith, they don't do things the way that, you know, a normal person would, you know, how do we, mm-hmm. where's the fruit and all that kind of stuff. So, man, I am, whenever you get that done, we want you back on the show. Definitely. Yeah, man. Well, um, yeah. let's kind of jump into, I, I know that I gave you some questions and I, I want to kind of just get the, the picture from you. You are boots on the ground. I've seen videos from you going to, to peaceful protest. Um, this is an issue that hits home with you. Um, this is an issue that has impacted people in your church. And I think that that's one thing that we can distinguish as a difference. Um, you know, we have, when we have um, when we see these national issues and they're kind of a little ways away, um, we're, we're always willing to, in my mind, offer some commentary on them when we're not connected, but you're connected. So kind of give us, if you don't mind, kind of a lay of the land and, and how things are going there for you uh, in St. Louis right now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, St. Louis is um, right now is, is, is very, very active. Um, you know, as you know, um, this was the, um, I mean, the touch point, you know, we had the Ferguson, um, the Ferguson, uh, protest, uh, the Stockley verdict and, uh, things that have, um, just rocked this area. Um, and so, you know, when we're looking at what's happening now in light of George Floyd, um, one of the beautiful things about seeing like in, being in St. Louis is that you already have, um, a lot of, a lot of clergy, a lot of, um, activists, um, that every really before Ferguson, but that was really pulled together uh, through the Ferguson uprising that have continued to be uh, active and have continued to engage and have continued um, to organize. And so there are actually a lot of lanes um, to to, um, I guess, speak out. And so in, in St. Louis, it was it was already like we already had a blueprint. man. we have a lot of great organizers here, a lot of uh, great folks. Uh, who are working with churches, uh, secular organizations as well, um, and just uh, citizens of good conscience. But um, St. Louis, it quickly became a thing um, where man, we wanted to stand in solidarity um, with what is going on for uh, black and brown image bearers around the country. So for, for me, in terms of being active, um, it's been really easy just because uh, man, I've been here for 10 years, like I said. Um, and so... It's just so many avenues, and I, and I know folks, and I know clergy, and um, I was able to plug in with some people. Um, but in terms of the tenor on the ground, I would say, um, particularly, and, and I want to speak for, uh, I can't speak on behalf of all African Americans everywhere, so I want to be clear about that. I am not, um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't give you the African American uh, perspective, um, because we are not, no more monolithic uh, than white folks. Um, but Amen. what I can say is that the general tenor that I'm getting from my African American countrymen, um, and I would even say African Americans, I'm going to be specific and, and drill down and say African Americans um, of faith. Um, the word I have heard more than anything in a variety of spaces is tired. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've heard. That word I have heard from multiple African Americans doing ministry in, in, in multi ethnic con- uh, contexts and in majority culture context and in minority culture context, I've heard the word tired. Yeah. So, um, Carlos, uh, am I okay to call you by your first name? I don't want to be at all disrespectful because... Uh, you know, no, you need to call me Bishop, sir. Yeah, all right, Bishop. Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just mess with you, man. Carlos uh, is fine. Good, brother. Thank you so much. And, and I've just really enjoyed... Uh, 
If you're watching the live feed, listening to the podcast, I want to encourage you to check out. Carlos has really just done, in my mind, a great job pastorally of speaking to multiple sides in this. And that's one reason that we wanted to invite him on here. Um, Carlos, um, in Dorothy Sayers' book, um, The Lost Tools of Learning, one of the things she talks about is we don't define terms. And I see this happening mm-hmm. a lot in uh, <clears throat> evangelicalism. Like, really mm-hmm. seriously. Um, unfortunately, I think we talk past each other way too mm-hmm. much. You know, we don't have to agree on every single thing, but we do need to be able to define our terms. And so, uh, in this one question that I that I kind of posed to you before, you know, we hear these terms, justice, racial reconciliation, uh, even privilege, and I, I see sometimes a, a misconstruing of these things. Could you maybe help us from your pastoral uh, position and from a biblical worldview kind of give us some insight on when you hear those terms from those people on the ground who say they're tired, like, what does that mean? And and why is it important that a a rural pastor in Missouri uh, hears those terms and knows what they mean? Because I think that too often, I'll just hear it through my lens and not really understand Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so first of all, what I would say is, man, first, I, w- I want to say this. Um, I, I am grateful um, for our rural brothers and sisters. You know, we I mean, obviously, we've got the, the, the race divide here. Um, and uh, that's that's just just seem is, is, is just ongoing in our in our country, um, just because our country was founded in the grips of racism. And that's just that's just history. Um, but one of the um, one of the things that since coming to Missouri um, I'm an urban guy from Detroit, living in St. Louis, but coming to Missouri, uh, getting plugged into the SBC, um, I've gotten to know um, my rural brothers and sisters um, in ways that I, I never had in the past. And so what I would say is that we also have to address this rural versus urban divide. And, yeah. you know, these these terms, um, you know, we tend to, you know, we, we can get in our silos where um, things such as justice, racial reconciliation can be viewed as an urban thing. Hmm. Or something that 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 affects uh, city churches and things of that nature, um, and you know we can we can allow things. Um, we start hearing justice. I've I've heard people say, you know, I get I get antsy when I hear folks talk about justice, um, you know, and that that's an urban Marxist thing. But I, I want to be clear. Um, I believe these things are God's terms first, yes. um, and we should not allow. I, I'm not giving politics the opportunity to divide us Amen. On that because, because, because I think God um, defines it clearly. So um, I've, I've um, I believe that we, uh, we need one another. Um, and uh, in terms of our, our rule and our urban churches and, and there in many ways we're more similar than different. Um, but I'll start with this um, definition of justice. And I think when you think about biblical justice, um, you have to uh, kind of look, I, I think a good biblical space to understand it um, is um, Leviticus 19.15. And it says, uh, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, yeah. but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Yeah. Um, and so I think when we start saying justice and we hear things like social justice, um, we can get, you know, if we're some of, I know many, not all, but many of my rural brothers and sisters, man, they can, you know, you, you start talking justice sermons and, and, the, and the, the fear goes up. And I think that it, that is because we are allowing that word to be read through our political sensibilities um, rather than biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Definitely. when we think about when we think about justice, uh, this is mitzpah in, in the Hebrew. This is God's term long before it was the Democrats or the Republicans. This mm-hmm. belongs to God. Um, and, what, and what he tells us is that it has to do with partiality. So let me ground that in what's going on today. Um, what we have going on today um, is the historic um, uh, disenfranchisement of African-Americans, um, african Peoples were were uh, enslaved here in this country, um, faced discrimination uh, via Jim Crow, um, had uh, uh, um, uh, all of the uh, all of the injustices that were perpetrated against them, uh, and so there is a sense in which our system has been made from from its inception um, to be partial against African Americans. Um, and so, when we're talking about doing justice, what what Black folks are not asking for um with uh with everything that's going on is to be favored by the law but to not be um seen in a way that puts us um at greater risk for harm 
Um, we're not asking to, to get away with things. We're just saying like, hey, there's a disproportionate um, amount of, of, um, of, of, of violence and things that happens to African-Americans um, at the hands of uh, law enforcement. Uh, and so I think justice, we have to see it in terms of, of being impartial and, and, and doing doing what is right, doing what is fair, um, regardless of race, ethnicity or creed or color. Um, does that does that make sense? I want to. Well, that totally makes sense. Yeah. That's uh, exactly where we are. And I mean, to play off that mm-hmm. um, is the fact, you know, what do you see in your congregation when they use that term? Are you seeing um, like in the congregation and then like kind of because. Uh, Biblically, there there's only two distinctions between people, and that's those in Adam and those in Christ. Um, mm-hmm. So, whenever you think about those in Christ that are in your congregation, um, are they utilize? Do you see multiple definitions of justice um, and justice that would maybe align with the, those in Adam that have a degraded uh, definition of justice? Well, um, let me let me let me um, let let me. Um let me let me address something you said because I yeah. think it's important to address it. So, um, I would say at a macro level, um, I do agree with you that um, that um, there's you know the in Adam and or uh, the distinction between in Adam or or in Christ as, as far as particularly if you're if you're talking um, you know Pauline usage there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there's a very real sense um, if we're going to use and read Paul holistically, he reminds Gentiles that they're Gentiles all the time. Uh, he, he doesn't yeah. mind. He doesn't mind letting them know. Hey, you Gentiles, you yeah. know. Yeah. Remember, you know, you Gentile, you Jews. I mean, he he has no issue. You know, he. T- I mean, Romans, you know, nine through eleven. Hey, don't boast against the root, you Gentiles. Don't boast against your Jewish brothers and sisters. And so, I think we have to be very careful um, with. I, so yes, in in a sense that that's true, but. I think we always have to hold on to the fact that the Bible calls us in Christ and yet recognizes um, our backgrounds, our diversity. Um, and what we see in Revelation 7 is a celebration of that. So I just wanted to kind of, okay. I, I think we have to be careful of that because I, I to, y- y'all got me here, so I figured I'd bring you into my world. Yeah, um, no, in my world as, yeah, in my world as an African-American Christian, that is often used by white Christians to deflect and flatten anything I have to say about my ethnicity and just tell me to get over it and focus on the gospel. Mm. Um, so I think we have to be careful. I think I, I, it's not that I disagree, but I think we have to make sure we're looking at that holistically. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I like the way you say that because I think that that is a really serious issue and I don't want to um, like put the blame on one person or one group in this, but I hear that statement a lot. Well, and it's very appealing. We'll just focus on the gospel. Just focus on the gospel. Mm-hmm. In the Pauline epistles, we do see, and even in Acts, there is a designation. Um, Paul says, I was called to the Gentiles, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. he distinguishes mm-hmm. that. And so, I, well, I think that there's certainly, at least when I read the New Testament, there is certainly a uniting in Christ but that hasn't always meant that every single racial difference just goes away. And, and exactly. so like, while there's appeal to the just focus on the gospel, I think that you and mm-hmm. I would stand. Yes. Preach the gospel. Yes. Proclaim the mm-hmm. gospel. Yes. We need to find and get to the gospel in every one of these issues, but we kind of oversimplify the issue. And I think that that's where we get some of that frustration. And I do think mm-hmm. it's a lack of understanding in the terminology of justice. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in, 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 in responding to that, I actually lost your original question. Right. Oh, yeah. So what was your question? Yeah, I was just, just so, going to say, you like, you know, yeah, I was gonna say um, like, you know, whenever you basically, you know, think when you think of your congregation and just everything that's been going on and then the, the world outside of that congregation, um, are you seeing like the world's, uh, you know, what, what is the world's definition of justice you're seeing? Um, and then is that intermingling all, you know, within your community of, of, of your congregation where you have a sort of a divide on definition within the congregation? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, um, you know, my congregation is real interesting, man. It's, um, it is very, so while my, my congregation, as I said, is about, uh, I believe, uh, 74% white, um, man, just like African-Americans are not a monolith, um, white Americans are not a monolith. Um, so I have in my congregation um, folks who are everything from very conservative, I mean, very conservative, <laughs> like I got, some, I got some conservatives, man, 
all the way to some folks who are who are uh, fairly progressive in their thoughts. You know, I got uh, university professors. Um, there's a high level of university and PhDs in my congregation um, who are used to you know words like diversity and um, you know issues like that. Things that would be maybe harder to uh, get through. In a lot of congregations, um, are they're they're good with it. They're watching faculty and students and staff, um, and so because of that, um, man, my congregation's view of justice is um, literally all over the place to some degree. Um, because, um, or it, it, it was, we're seeing now. I'm going to share what we've done to help kind of level yeah, set yeah. a little bit there. Um, but you know, so I got people who are coming in who. And here, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker about that. Some of my more conservative members are African-American. Hmm. Um, so it, that doesn't even break down neatly upon, uh, uh, according to race. So what I actually love about the journey um, as a church, um, we're with uh, one of our pastors uh, said in the past, a head-scratching church. Um, <laughs> I have been out protesting, and I just had a, a call with one of our members who's a police officer. Hmm. And so I, I love that about our church because it forces us as leaders um, to think um, to, to, to not be, we can't just get up and make blanket statements or um, to, to hop on our political, uh, you know, political hobby horse no. um, of choice. But we have to think critically and we really have to think biblically because that's the only thing that we have to unite around. So to help with some of these definitions and understandings of justice, um, and we had a community group in our church um, who are very, they're very passionate about justice and justice issues um, and, and things of this nature. Um, and so they put together themselves, they took Tim Keller's um, Generous Justice, uh, and they created um, a workbook they wrote. Uh, they had some of our, um, some of our, our um, uh, members of color to contribute um, case studies of their experience. And just this past fall, they walked our church through this curriculum, and it was powerful. Yeah. Um, and so all that to say, I, in my congregation, there's an effort to, you know, okay, let's see this through a biblical lens. Um, and, and here's what I would say about the world's influence. I think um, I'm, I'm a big believer, man, in, um, in the doctrine of common grace. Um, while I think anything that we take from the world has to be um, sanctified and washed um, and is subject to the word of God, I don't believe that that means we can't learn from even some of our secular counterparts as long as we're reading it through the lens and the grid of Scripture. And I would agree with you on that yeah. completely. I, I'm so fortunate I get to teach at Spurgeon College, and I teach communication theory, and that is almost exactly what I say um, as we look at how people communicate. And and that kind of brings me to uh, another issue that's like really important to me, anyways. Um, and it, and it's kind of hard for me to delve into this, but like when I see acts of violence um, that has occurred, and uh, I, I think that unfairly the media likes to play on the political dichotomy that exists, right, mm -hmm. and do what they can. Because as much as they can simplify things, the better they can simplify things, the easier it is for them to, you know, create sound bites, right? So Absolutely. here I am, a rural pastor of a predominantly white church in a predominantly white area. I want to, I want to encourage the... African-American brothers and sisters that I believe have been treated unjustly. Uh, I want to call that out quickly. But at the same time, like I don't want to be thrown into a group of, oh, hey, you are saying that some of these rioting things are, are, are okay. And no, I mean, I think that they're extremely reprehensible. How do we navigate that? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you, Pastor, Pastor, how I speak into that and, and how I can better deal with that uh, unfortunate situation that we find ourselves in yeah absolutely man um so so what i would say to that man what i what i would say to that is um first um the folks who are who are seeking justice um are not the folks they're, they're on the same page with you um so I, uh recently uh, just last week in st louis there was a um a a, a press conference with protest organizers police and clergy to say, hey, we're, you know, we're trying to figure some stuff out, no doubt, but we are on the same page with the folks that are uh, uh, destroying businesses. Uh, we had a, a captain, um, a seasoned 
uh, a 77 year old uh, retired police captain who was murdered um, here in St. Louis during the during the protest. And and I want to say, like unequivocally, the the protest organizers, um, the people seeking justice, uh, we're all on the same page that. Man, the, the, the hostile, the folks that are being opportunists um, and are, are seeking to perpetrate violence, man, that's not our crew. Like, we, you know, uh, we, we, we agree on that. And so I actually, to some degree, I think it, I think that is put forward. So I actually would say, I think that narrative is put forward uh, often um, by particularly, particularly uh, media that wants conservative media, some that want to um, um, discredit the, the protests. Um, use that as an excuse because the, the organizers that I know um, and the folks who are out on the streets, they, they're not trying to tear up folks' businesses. They don't want to, um, the, these, these uh, businesses um, who, are, who are investing in our communities and trying to feed their family, the goal isn't to um, destroy them. We're trying to get justice um, and, again, equity, fair treatment um, under the law. Here's the other thing I, that I will say um, that has been documented and has been proven over and over again. These many of these protests have been infiltrated by uh, white supremacists, um, anarchists, um, Antifa, and these other individuals who have another agenda that is not justice for black and brown people. Um, yeah. they, they are using this as an opportunity um, to stir a discord. They, they want, and, and I, would, I would actually argue there are those um, such as the white supremacists who have been picked up and arrested um, who are trying to stir a, a, a race riot um, or discredit the movement. And so they are perpetrating acts of violence themselves because they know that people are going to say, oh, well, I can't get behind that. They're tearing up, whatever. Um, and so what I actually think as a, as a, um, as a as a uh, as a black pastor, and as a and I, I, I won't even say as a black pastor, as a black man in America, um, what I would say is that if you want to come alongside me personally, um, what I need you to see is that listen, I, I think it's unfortunate that Target got tore up in Minnesota. Okay, um, I don't think that was the right thing to do, um, but I also know that Target can rebuild. George Floyd will not be coming back. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yes, and so. I, as a black man, when somebody, when, when we're, I, I think what we got to do, and, and, I, and when I need my white brothers and sisters, I need them to make a pivot. Um, this is not a talking point for me as a black man. This isn't a political discussion that I just want to wrestle through. This is my very existence. Amen. This is, and, and I'm saying this as a 6'3", 300-pound black man who has, at the age of 16, had police draw weapons on me and, and lay me down on the ground when I was a young Christian man just walking to his uh, job at McDonald's. And if it were not for a black supervisor um, on the police force in Fort Wayne, Indiana, who came to my aid um, and said, there's no way this young man is the guy. He's too young. He's a kid. Um, I don't know what would have happened. Um, yeah. And so this isn't for me. This isn't just like, oh, I just want to wrestle through this. I know, I know what it's like to be profiled. I've had, a, I've had police pull me over and basically tell me that they profiled me. Yeah. Um, and so this isn't just talking points for, for African-Americans. This is our existence. And so um, it's, I mean, to be candid, it's, it's, it's insulting when folks just want to, I mean, no, I, we're not, no one who is protesting is advocating for the destruction of property. Um, but to just say like, okay, I can't support the image of God in you because of some people who may or may not have even been affiliated with the actual peaceful protests. Um, again, I think that can fall into the realm if we're not careful um, of being a way to excuse oneself for doing what the scripture clearly commands us to do um, in, in Proverbs 31, which is to open your mouth on behalf of the oppressed. Mm, amen. Yeah. And I mean, that just goes into, you know, right now is just a time where everybody's generalizing everything. So something happens, Absolutely. it becomes a generalization. Um, you know, and just, uh, you know, I was a part of a, a talk last night um, uh, at the tattoo shop again. And, uh, you know, that they were trying to keep away from that. And that's where I started noticing, you know, just that, like, you know, the the, the whole protesting and thing that's going on, that that's not even unified in, in particulars. I mean, there might be a, a universal, you know, cry for Black Lives Matter. Um, but then within that, there's unrest you have the rioters you've got peaceful protesters but then we you know we've generalized it it might be um put out there as well all these same people that are protesting are the ones that are also rioting and uh setting fires but it's like it's not even it's not even unified in what they're doing that they might they're they're saying the same thing but you have different groups of people 
um, that are involved here, and you can't make a blanket statement. So I think on on all ends, what we're seeing is just a big mess of of white people um, broadcasting a generalization, and 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 black people broadcasting a generalization, and then within the microcosms of each color, I guess you can say you can have within them they're generalizing the other side too and so it's just like you know nobody's sitting back and talking you've got different definitions and stuff like that and like how does this you know like what we really want to get into is like how is this working into the church and mm-hmm. how are we speaking hey stop generalizing like basically just you're yelling stop <laughs> and how do you get this to mm-hmm. stop especially in the institution that christ is building mm-hmm. And Carlos, if, if if I may just kind of jump in here real quick, I, one of the things that I think is so, you know, which I, I really admired in your videos, when I, man, the folks at the Journey Church are blessed to have a pastor who speaks into their life about how we have, we have the unified message. And so part of the thing that, I, that bothers me is I know evangelicals who are saying these broad categorized things. And I did just make a broad categorization by saying evangelicals. But man, I want to speak the gospel, the the message that saves people, that reconciles people into this situation because that is the only justice and we have one ultimate standard of justice. How do we as Christians better unify? Like, look, we have a basis. This is an image of God. This is an image bearer in George Floyd that was killed. Oh, wait, there's all kinds of image bearers that are being oppressed just due, because, due to the fact that they have more melanin in their skin. And we need to stop that, and we have a basis to do that. And I guess, how can I do that more effectively? And, and likewise, call other Christian believers to do the same thing, because on, on, on face value, I mean, when it gets down to the nitty-gritties at the foundation I agree, and no Christian can pick up their Bible and not agree with a massive injustice that has occurred, and that needs to be stopped. And unfortunately, we're just talking back to each, past each other. How do we do a better job of that, I guess? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, man. Was that, um, I, what I would say is that um, there... I, I think I think in, in some ways that the solution is, is in some ways... Um, is is it's not hard, it's just costly. Let me say it that way. Um, it's not difficult. It's, it can just cost you something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, my white Christian brothers and sisters, those who are having this struggle, um, just need to do justice and speak up and use their voice um, to say um, that, man, black folks are made in the image of God um, and that what's happening in this country at this point um, we can't we can't chalk it up to just a few bad apples. At this point, it's a culture. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a culture. It's an abusive culture for African Americans. Um, own it um, and speak against it. That's what the Bible calls us to do. Um, the Bible calls us as God's people um, to speak um, speak on behalf of those who are receiving affliction, um, prejudice, um, who are in any way being. Um, uh, hurt by systems at hand, Where, wherever that may be, wherever you find yourself, um, and you know, as, as I as I worked th- this through, man, I you know, as I began to to sit down and think through this, man, I I recognize that we all live in a in a danger um, of getting into our own echo chambers or or just thinking that our own opinion reigns supreme. Right on. Um, so I, so I was like, man, let me go back to the Bible and let me see if it says what I think it says. I think I know what it says, um, but let me actually read it. Uh, and so, man, I sat and I just worked through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation to try to dig up what is God saying about uh, those who are oppressed? What does God have to say about justice? What does God have to say about the least of these? And what I've seen over and over and over and over again um, can be summed up in the book of James when he says, faith without works is dead. Here's the point. What God is calling his church to do is to let go of just wanting to talk or just wanting it to go away. What God's church needs to do is to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Um, and this is my fear um, for particularly, um, and again, broad stroke here, but my in general, my, my white evangelical brothers and sisters. Man, let me tell you something. I would not be who I am without white evangelical theologians and, and professors and Christians and believers who have shaped uh, my understanding of the gospel. 
um, have shaped my understanding of God's word in, in, in profound and true ways. Um, I believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I believe um, that the Bible is the first rule and the only rule of faith in life for the believer. And because I believe that, because I've read it for myself, um, I have seen that God causes the church to cause the church to act on behalf of the oppressed. Um, James one twenty seven says, "Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions, and to keep oneself unspotted, unstained from the world." Here's the point: um, we got like overall evangelical doctrine is rock solid, man. I love it. But what we have, and I believe um, that it has um, become a subversion to the evangelical doctrine of the inerrancy of scripture. We don't, many white evangelicals just don't want to follow the Bible when it comes to doing justice on behalf of black lives and saying black lives matter or even not being tied to organization, but just caring about black lives because we're so scared it's going to make us look bad and make us not look like a good Republican or a good conservative. And that has become our, our um our priority rather than speaking up for our brothers and sisters, many of whom are Christians who have been butchered in, in this country. Yeah, and I, so I, man, what, I, I, what I think it looks like is, is, is I, I, at this point, it looks like Christians, my call to all of my Christian brothers and sisters of every hue is to do what the Bible calls us to do, which is to stand up for justice. I believe that is the only way, yeah. the only way. Right on. Uh, so I kind of want to switch just a little bit of uh, the the kind of the where we were going with some of this. And I, I want to kind of talk about, uh, you know, I'm Southern Baptist. Adam is Southern Baptist. You're Southern Baptist. Uh, mm-hmm. This this whole issue has become a real serious divide in our denomination, and it bothers mm-hmm. me greatly. Um, mm-hmm. People are saying, well, I'm on this side and I'm on that side. And uh, mm-hmm. to me, there's a tenor and tone that is disturbing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I made sure in October of uh, last year to pick up the color of compromise, um, removing yeah. the stains of racism. I made sure to pick up Beyond Black Roots by Dwight McKissick, which I think is an amazing book, and a lot of people need to read that. Uh, I, I don't agree with uh, McKissick's view on women pastors. God bless him. I think he's wrong. Mm-hmm. But I thought his book was really eye-opening. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. I, would, I would put that before even removing the stains of racism. Uh, I read mm-hmm. you know, White Fragility. I what I read, um, I'm still here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I even went on to go ahead and read some of Cohn's work. You know, said I wasn't going to tell nobody. Uh, and <laughs> you know, uh, here's the thing that was really interesting to me. That was it, remarkably different from what Eric Mason wrote. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. how people make mm-hmm. the tie, and, and I'm being honest. You know, as yeah. uh, as an yeah. individual who who does research, uh, and as an individual who looks at sources, uh, it, mm-hmm. it amazed me some of the criticism that he received in that. And I think yeah. that some of his terminology, again, if we twist someone's terminology just slightly, we can misrepresent them in a way that is just exceptionally uh, problematic. How do yeah. we, as a denomination, do a better job of getting together on this? Because I think we are doing immense harm to uh, a denomination who in 1995 said we were wrong uh, and again i think you continue to say not you know repentance is a one is not a one-time thing by the way mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. uh, as christians right um mm-hmm. there are times within our denomination you know where we need to say you know what we didn't handle that right and i think that that there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that so how do we get back together on, on the same page in this yeah yeah Man, uh, that's that's a big question, man. That's that's a really um, tall question. I, I really think um, that a lot of it comes down to man understanding what the scripture is calling us do, to do and parsing that out from our politics. Um, I, I, I just I just believe that the only way you pick up Eric Mason's book um, and walk away and, and and call him anything but a godly pastor, um, even if you don't agree with every single thing or whatever. Um, is because you just take issue with the word woke. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, when I read it, put- and, and I mean this sincerely, when I read it, uh, and, and I will tell you, I'm a big James White fan. We're a founder's yeah. church, right? Yeah. Uh, I read uh-huh. Woke Church, and I thought, I really don't see the problem because, honestly, and maybe some of this is my own blinders, and, and so that that is a reality, uh, but I heard him say, we need to call it injustice of all kinds, Wherever there is injustice, 
we need to call mm-hmm. it out. To me, it spoke mm-hmm. really strongly about uh, abortion. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, that was just mm-hmm. a, an amazing piece. And people completely missed that when they read it. Yeah. And, I, and I want to thank God for my dear friend who told me, Dave, you need to read these things, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then I was so discouraged when I reach out to certain professors at certain Southern Baptist seminaries and, and invite them to come on the podcast. They were afraid uh, of me. And man, that just broke my heart. And I don't know if they were afraid of, mm-hmm. of me so much as they were afraid of now we're going to be, you know, uh, a, a victim. And I don't always like the term victim, but we're going to be a whipping boy. And uh, yeah. and that just, I mean, literally it, it broke my heart to engage a few professors who all I wanted to do was hear from them. And yeah. they were afraid to even say anything. And, and I do think that's yeah. problematic. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's because, um, I, I would say that's because one of the biggest problems in my eyes is that uh, the SBC, um, in, in many ways, many people in it, um, they equate being a Christian with being a conservative or Republican in it. And if those words, those buzzwords, um, if that, like, if, if those things don't fit, it, it, it makes it hard to enter into. Um, so let me be clear about some stuff. You know, you brought up abort- abortion, man, and this is this is a huge issue for me. So um, I'm, a, I'm a black man um, in America, um, and I know that most of the abortion clinics are in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I know that they are targeting black women and Latino women and women of color. I know the racist roots um, of, of, of these organizations. And um, the bottom line is that I'm a Planned Parenthood and other organizations. Um, and so I am immensely pro-life. Right? Uh, and I don't. And, and I, so when my, when my uh, evangelical brothers and sisters are, are standing um, for, for right to life issues, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's ride. I'm, I'm with you because those are black and brown babies. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um what I am confused about, I mean baffled, befuddled, um, just completely don't understand, is why it's so hard to transfer that image, uh, that, that, that same passion, that same fire to um, black lives in this country of, of whom we know, we know, um, have experienced uh, systematic d- discrimination um, and things in this country and continue to bear um, the, the marks of it. Um, and And... I, I just don't understand. Like, I believe this is a life issue. We're talking about the image of God. I mean, I, I plan, Lord willing, to do a whole dissertation on the image of God around cognitive disabilities. But the same, the same thing um, it applies in so many spaces is that these image bearers are, 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 are hurting. Now, um, I also want to say um, that what I have been um, encouraged by is the amount of um, support and love that I have seen from many. Um, of my evangelical brothers and sisters. And so I don't, again, I want to be careful with, with my big brushes here um, because there are many who are um, speaking up and are taking risks. And, I, and, I, and I'm grateful. Um, but I think we, we just, we're going to have to, just like, you know, for many of us who, who hear certain buzzwords, um, you know, from, from different sources, I think we got, we're going to have to say, what does the scripture say? What is God calling us to? Um, and I believe so wholeheartedly that God's word clearly clearly from Genesis to Revelation calls us not only to um, passively, um, you know, just say I'm not personally racist, um, but calls us to act on behalf of the vulnerable. Um, I mean, it's clear from Moses to John, it's clear. And I, I just believe that we have to center on scripture and let go of our politics and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's just the whole defining thing in this uh you know and this is what came out last night is you know we're totally um for the position um but there there is those little disconnects you know because you know there are you know like i looked at the black lives matter organization you know and they're partners with planned parenthood so it's like you know to them does all life does do all black lives matter yeah yeah so yeah, yeah and I, I want to say I don't. Uh, you know, I have no problem. I got black Black Lives Matter T shirt. I, I I don't mind uh, chanting and standing up saying Black Lives Matter. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I believe we should all say it um, because um, we can't say all lives matter. Black lives don't matter. Um, and right now, I think in, in this moment, we're focusing on the black ones that have been hurting and have been attacked. Um, but I also don't think it's necessary. And I've said this to my congregation. Um, I believe in the in the concept of co-belligerency. Um, and so uh, Francis Schaeffer writes quite a bit. Um, so I do not think that um, Christians have to marry themselves to Black Lives Matter as an organization. Yeah. Um, or even if, 
Yeah, that, that is absolutely not necessary. I can't marry myself to, to like the organization per se. Um, not a concept and an idea all day. Um, but in terms of, you know, a lot of, for example, um, there are, I mean, every, things nowadays become hyper-politicized. Um, and so you hear, um, you know, you may go to a rally for life about George Floyd and you may hear chants um, about various other things, such as um, other aspects of, of, of uh criminal justice reform or things like that that you may or may not agree with. I don't believe it's necessary that we agree on all of those things to stand as co-belligerents mm. and say, I'm here for the image of God. Mm. And so I actually believe that if evangelicals can take a note from Schaefer, who understood well that, hey, look, there that, that we we can enter the sphere um, of, of, of common grace and um Enter the sphere. We can stand side by side with 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 atheists, with Muslims, with um, not whoever, um, and we can declare the easiest thing for us to unite on um, is the dignity of human life. And I believe, um, you know, I've been at some protests this week. Did I agree with everything at every protest? Absolutely not. Some of those protests were organized by groups that, uh, you know, had various views or whatever. Um, but I was able to enter in and to share. Um, and say, look, man, I'm here for the dignity of life for all lives. Um, and to stand here and say, man, I can I can sign on to this as a Christian with regard to dignity of human life and eat the meat and throw away the ball. But we got to show up and partner. Man, I, I love the way you say that because I, I just think that that's how you do that. You have to engage mm-hmm. the culture. You have to mm-hmm. engage them where they're at. And for me, I think we're missing an opportunity because so many are criticizing rather than saying, Actually, let me speak to this. Here is why this is an issue for me. Here is why I am appalled by the death of any black man or woman, or further than that, anyone who is ravaged by an overzealous police officer. And right now, at this moment, what is the means to get that message out? I can say, Christians, you should be upset that your your black and brown skinned brothers and sisters are being harassed, are being profiled, are being discriminated against, and now I can give a reason for why that is so wrong, whereas the uh, naturalistic, atheistic worldview cannot provide that means. I can likewise point out the inconsistency. No, no, I am for all black lives. Uh, Rather than saying, uh, you know, again, and God bless, there are some many, many great folks that I really love and admire and respect who who don't like, I don't, why I cannot support Black Lives Matter. Well, I can't support the organization either for the various Mm. reasons that you just said. But I can say, Black lives do matter because they're image bearers. And I have mm-hmm. a concern for all image bearers, and not just Absolutely. those ones that I see, but the, the pre-born. And I'm going to mm-hmm. be consistent in affirming that. And so I can yeah. speak to my friend, and you know, I have a friend here in Springfield uh, who posts a lot of things. And I will like and comment on a lot of his things, but he certainly approaches things from a naturalistic worldview, an atheistic worldview. But then I can point out, here's why. And see, he doesn't get a chance to group me in with those folks who are uh, saying, oh, these stupid people who are tearing down and rioting uh, that are saying Black Lives Matter, they're evil. Well, wait a second. Not every single person in those marches are evil. And I will tell you one thing that really encouraged me, uh, Carlos, was seeing you. Uh, you know, you and I had these mutual friends. I know Ronnie Kurtz is, is a good friend of yours. He's been on our program before. And uh, I just think the world of Ronnie. He's actually from yeah. Buffalo, Missouri, the town that I preach okay. in. Uh, yeah. so, um, Ronnie's, Ronnie's, Ronnie's a smart dude, man. Oh, man. That's, that's a, that's a, we, we had some classes together, man. That, that dude's a, a brain, man. And, and so, I, you know, you humanized so much of this for me because I thought, here's a guy mm-hmm. that that I know works with and ministers the gospel with people that I admire and respect. And he's saying something and he's, he is being opportunistic for the gospel. And, and that's where I think we're missing out. Like I can say, I can certainly say, you know what? There are ideals that some people that are marching stand for that I don't, but let me get out there and, and share. Here's why this is such a big deal. I need to be more opportunistic Absolutely. for the gospel rather than critical of an entire movement. And I think that's where we've missed Absolutely. the ball. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and man, I want to, I want to see, bro. I, I really want to see, um, uh, what I want to see is unity in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want, I want to see a uh, unity between black and brown believers and, and, our, and, and our white brothers and sisters. Um, but it has to be a unity that is based on truth. 
Um, it can't be a tamping down um, of, of black experience and, and, and things like that. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm assuming if you've been reading things, you've probably seen uh, things written about the exodus of African-Americans um, from many white evangelical spaces. Mm. Um, and, um, and if you, if you just, uh, if you check out the witness, uh, that's uh, actually, uh, you mentioned um, the color of compromise, that's Jamar Tisby's uh, platform, uh, the witness of a black Christian collective. Um, there's a series of articles about that. Um, and the reason isn't, I want to be clear, the reason isn't because, man, our SBC or our PCA or whatever brothers and sisters have denied the Trinity. Um, it, it isn't because um, they don't believe in the inerrancy of scripture. Um, it's because, um, man, many of them just are so um, tied to their cultural Christianity and tied to um, their, 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 their politics and things like that, that, man, if this is a choice, if, if we're, we're standing and we're saying, um, like, hey, man, this is our experience. This is happening to us um, as a people. And they're unwilling to enter in. And it becomes, this is not primarily a sociological issue. This is a theological issue. We talked about the gospel. In Galatians 2, think about what Paul, um, when he confronts Peter um, about his not wanting to hang out uh, with, with uh, Gentiles anymore when the Jewish crew shows up. Mm-hmm. And what does Paul, what does Paul say to, to Peter? You, I, you were to blame because your conduct was not in step with the gospel. Your, your unwillingness to associate, um, it, it, is a, it, it was a gospel issue. And, and so when we understand the gospel, when we understand what Paul is communicating for Paul, this is Ephesians 3, the mystery of the gospel is God's uniting in one person, Jew and Gentile, all people into one new man, one new Israel called the church. Um, and so the union, unity at the church is at stake. But what's happening is that, again, I believe our white evangelical brothers and sisters, many who are pushing against this are so scared that something is Marxist or progressive or liberal, um, that they are missing the clear biblical injunctions to stand up for those who are experiencing injustice in our country is just what it is. Um, that have been, has been black folks. Um, and so I, I, I want to, I really want, um, the, I'm, I'm committed to speaking truth to it, not just because I, I want to inflame people or, or make folks mad or frustrate folks, um, because I want us to unite over truth. But in, uh, in order to do that, we got to uh, do Galatians 6, which is bear one another's burdens. Yeah. And this is the burden that um, African-Americans in this country are bearing. And we, we, we need our white brothers and sisters if we're going to be united. If we're really going to walk together, if you're going to come up to me, I, you know, white folks come up and be, hey, brother, okay, I'll be your brother, but are you going to bear this burden? Don't call me brother. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to tell me that I'm crazy and, you know, what I'm experiencing, like I'm, like I'm, like I'm delusional, you know, like, I, you know, and, you know, all that stuff. It's like, no, bear this burden with me. Yeah, and, and, bear burden, and, that, and yeah. that comes out of, you know, and I, there is a, there is a um, issue in the American church to me that we don't bear each other's burdens generally anyway. Um, Absolutely. We, we are a hyper-individualistic culture. Um, you know, I've had Absolutely, to, I, I've had issues with another guy. Like I've seen a pastor stand up or I know I've seen, I, I've read um, a pastor was just a small church in, uh, in, in this town and, and a mailer said, man created the problem. And so we can pick ourselves by our, up by our bootstraps and fix the problem. And I went, no. No, we have to unite together in our weaknesses where we we can't, and we have to come together under Christ and then be empowered by the Spirit to work. Um, we can't do this by ourselves, but you know it's just that mentality to where you know why aren't we bearing the uh, the burdens with our uh, minority brothers and sisters is because we're we're not even doing it ourselves, so we don't even have the ethos. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. individual's ethos, um, together to be able to, uh, deal with the pathos, um, mm-hmm. because of, uh, you know, what do we, what do we, you know, we can say inerrancy, we can say sufficiency, we can say clarity, we can, we can, we can mm-hmm. say everything that, that they fought for back in the eighties as Baptists, mm-hmm. um, but it just goes right out the window and, still. And I'm going to say something, you know, I, you know, after I read the color of compromise, after I read um, removing the stains. Um, those two books were, you know, also very impactful to me. And, and Color of Compromise was, uh, he took a tone at the end. And there was, there's something you can do. And one of the things that I think we've done as white evangelicals, yep, I painted with broad brush strokes there because the majority of folks I know are, are white evangelicals that are Christians, right? Uh, we've missed the opportunity to help get things right. 
Um, Carlos, you are, you're so fortunate. You've worked extremely hard to be a PhD student. You are not only, uh, probably a minority there in that program, you're a minority across the United States. One of the greatest means to get people out of cultural poverty, uh, generational poverty is education. And, uh, man, one of the things that just has always grieved my heart is we need more white evangelicals. Um, doing what they can to support a, a means to to draw folks out of some of their cultural injustices and again generational poverty situations. Mm-hmm. When I, I went to Southwest Baptist University for my undergraduate, right, and mm-hmm. uh, I was actually the RA in a dorm that was a football dorm, and so mm-hmm. the majority uh, I was one of like two or three white guys in on the whole floor, right. And I saw these young men come in on a football scholarship, play a year and leave, never get a college education. When I graduated, there was like 500 people that walked. There was one African-American male that walked at that graduation. And my dad pointed it out. He's like, did you see that? That is a shame. Uh, And so one of the things I wish that we would do as a convention is say, here are some ways that we can make things better, make more opportunities. And, uh, you know, I, I wish, you know, here I am, I'm throwing, throwing these ideas out, but like from the convention floor, we need to set aside, Hey, we are going to make scholarships available to these individuals, uh, mm-hmm. in these ethnic, ethnic minorities, because we have a ama- we have the best seminaries as a denomination in the world. We've got the best colleges in the world. We have a means to help people out rather than throwing, Oh, Hey, we're so mad about this resolution or that resolution. Resolutions aren't going to accomplish very much, right? Uh, forgive me, but they, they, they don't. It's, action that we have to take and and that's something that i'm just grieved that is not happening uh and so you know there's there's something uh for us that there's a project for us to work on as a denomination absolutely and and i think i think with that which the denomination uh has been doing i'm grateful uh for the work at southern for digging this up you know um you know in terms of going through their history you know the reason why um it's probably not a lot of african-americans uh, crossing at, at southwestern baptist um or you know southern or, or anything else um is because of you know as as southern's own uh digging at its history has shown is his own complicit uh at, like not just complicity but but eager pursuit of racism um that shut out uh black and brown students uh through segregation and, and embracing racism and so one thing I, i've i've applauded um you know uh, southern on and i would say the sbc um that that i've appreciated um has been this willingness to like, man, okay, we gotta, we gotta look at the history and we gotta reckon with it, you know, um, and that's hard. Um, but I, I do want to say that, you know, it probably wasn't a lack of black and brown students because black and brown students just ain't going to college. That's not universally true. Um, they're just not going to Southern Baptist institutions because of Southern Baptist history. Um, and not just history, but Southern Baptist present. Um, I, I, man, I'm in the SBC. Um, always, there's a, there's a podcast for another time, but I always joke, um, I, I, I got in the Southern Baptist convention by mistake. I wasn't trying to do it. Um, I joined, I joined a black church that I thought was National Baptist and on the other end found out it was Southern Baptist. I was like, Jesus, you tricked me. I wasn't setting out to do this. Uh, but, but, um, but my point is, man, is that you know there are there are uh, black folks that are going to 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 seminaries and um, they are going to schools. But man, the the Southern Baptist Convention has been just exceptionally great at shooting itself in the foot on issues of race um, and and continuing. You know, I, I was um, I was recently down at uh, I was down in Bolivar at uh, at SBU um, and and did a, a conversation about um, you know intersectionality and uh, all these things uh, and. You know, what I, what I share with them is that, you know, in general, black folks ain't sitting around, like, getting up, doing their morning devotions with books on intersectionality. intersectionality. Um, that's, that's just like, your average black person is not. But when they hear, um, you know, SBC folks get up arguing about uh, whether or not it's okay for black people to struggle for equality in this country, all they hear is, oh, there they go again. They don't want me. Um, Man, and so they so go well somewhere said. else. Carlos, you know? I have to, you were at... You were in my backyard if you were at SBU. I'm, I'm a trustee at Southwest Baptist University. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I wish you had a met, man. Yeah. Well, if you come back down again, we'll have to. We'll have to. Ha- you'll have to let me take you to lunch or something like that. Please. Yeah. Yeah. So, Doctor Doctor Coyle, Coyle Neal brought me down. Oh yeah. Well, I know Coyle. He's been on our had program him on the too. Show a few, like maybe a couple months ago. Yeah. That's yeah. my guy, man. That's my guy, man. I like Coyle. Yes, he's great. Well, Carlos, I know you have another program that you're doing tonight. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of promote that uh, live stream that you're doing tonight if you get a chance, and then we'll we'll let you go because I know you've got a busy day. 
Yeah, man, I, I appreciate it, man. So yeah, tonight, tonight um, at seven, I'll be doing a, a program um, with um, on on. It's on the stream on my uh, my church page, the Journey Hanley Road, and on my uh, personal page, um, and it's called uh, Justice the Bible in Today. Um, and we got a, I have a just a fun story. Um, I am our church currently shares space uh, with a conservative synagogue. Uh, and, um, so me and the rabbi have become really, really, really good friends, uh, over the last, um, over the last few years, man. And, uh, his name is Rabbi Noah Arno. Um, and we're going to be talking about, you know, all the things that's been going on, um, in light of, um, Jewish understanding of biblical justice and Christians understanding. So, um, yeah, it's you, you guys can catch it on Facebook live, uh, and that'll be tonight at seven. All right. Well, yeah, everybody, if you heard that, um, you don't have to worry about competing with us. We're not that uh, special anyway. Um, and this is a podcast. So all the live casts, we don't care if you guys jump ship from our live cast and get on this and uh, just continue in the conversation and, uh, and all this stuff with all this. So yeah, thank you so much, Carlos, for being on the tag your it podcast. And if, uh, like I said, whenever you get that dissertation done and you want to talk about it, we would love to have you uh, on that issue as well. Um, oh man, I would that. love it, man. Yeah, and if there's anything that comes up, you know, just, uh, just within this conversation that we had today that you want to have, just let us know. We'd love to have you back on no matter what next time up. I, I usually, whenever I go to St. Louis, I, I have uh, made friends with like Noah Oldham over at, uh, August gate and stuff, but I'll have to, come Oh yeah, that's and, my guy, man. Yeah, man. He's a, he is a great guy, great church. Um, but I'll have to definitely, uh, I like forest park in that area and the loop and all that. So I'll have to come up and, uh, check you out on some Sunday. So. Yeah, man. Give me all the week on, man. Yeah. Carlos, thank you so much. Next time you're in Bolivar at SBU, uh, please uh, give me a holler. I'll come get you lunch. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me on the, on the podcast. Oh, oh thank, thank you, you so you, much, man. brother. You take care. Mm-hmm. All right, man. That was there good. Go. That was Yes, that uh, was awesome. And so, you know, just uh, like I said, um, we need to be quick or like slow to speak, right? We need to be right. quick to think and everything. And so, um, like I said, we, we're, we've had our first conversation on this podcast a week after the big bam, you That's know? Right. And so I think it was really great. Um, I know that, you know, I, we'd all been posting different things here and there, um, you know, and we're, we're sitting on the gospel and all that stuff, but you know, there's conversations like this. Um, if you can get out, if there's anything in your community, guys, like what I did last night, um, with a bunch of men in my church, um, going to that, uh, well, for one, that shows that your church cares about to listen to the community. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to agree with anything. Just sit back and listen right. at least once to Amen. a group of people. They, you know, let them get their raw emotions out. I think that's most of it. Um, this is what even in a community group that that I'm in. You know, I always go. I appreciate you saying that really hard thing because I remember growing up. You know, with with just isn't it a generation gap where you know the last generation before us you know if you you suck it up and you and you hold it down and you know that causes a lot of problems so if we can you know i think if you read the psalms god wants us to cry out even if it's horrible mm. you know like the imprecatory psalms talks about right. you know i hope that this other side i hope that their babies get dashed against rocks we should be able to say it and get it out knowing that maybe those feelings are absolutely wrong but you know, I know in my life I've had sin mm. and I was in a group and I was able to go like, here's the way I feel. Let me graphically say how I feel. And then they heard it and they went, you know, I know that your character that God has changed you um, into would not act upon that. But thank you for getting that out. Now we can work with this. And so, you know, let's put that into this conversation whenever you're dealing with uh, with with people that um, are experiencing different things, but you know, we can't just have that shut off to where they can't shut you out because you haven't experienced it because we do have the word together. Um, And so we can speak to each other, even if there is some sort of discontinuities, if we're in Christ, we can speak to each other and that's what we're supposed to do. So um, I hope that you guys um, have felt edified um, by this podcast, I know we've got another one coming up uh, next week. Next week to continue in this conversation, um, different, a uh, little bit, little bit different uh, spin um, with you know just again dealing with the SBC and some other issues that we didn't get into today. But you know this will be a little bit of a continuing idea. And, and I think it's important. I loved what um, I really thought that what Carlos said about 
we don't have to be on the same page on all of these different things. I don't think that that's something that's being said near enough. Um, there are certain things that I can agree with in this position, but I'm losing an opportunity to uh, make an impact for the gospel when I just try to paint with brush, broad brush strokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so and then everybody's doing it. You see yep. every little pocket, and there's somewhere where and I saw it last night. We were we were so coming together on things, and then it sort of got a little bit heated, and then you start seeing where that broad brush stroke is that needs to be, and it's both sides, and so we need to. All sides need to own what they need to own. There is nobody innocent mm. in this conversation. And so, you know, that, you know, yes, we whites have oppressed blacks, but the, you know, black whites have sin, blacks have sin, Hispanics have sin. We all have sin and we need to come into the conversation to where it will be exposed. And then we rebuke and exhort and hopefully, you know, talking about the kingdom of God, this is kingdom work first. That's right. Which is missing in the conversation. And if and, we're not speaking out against injustice, yeah. we're not being consistent. With the kingdom of God. That's right. So, you know, um, this is where, you know, I, through COVID, through this now, um, we need to, again, this is where I, I've done a lot of theonomic study. We need to get into the law of God to get to justice. And, and that's right where he started. That's right yeah. where he started. Yeah, these I things, mean, justice is defined by God and it, only by God. And then we are yet, just inter- reinterpreters of the in- reality that's already interpreted for us. And I want to say, if you've missed the early part of the show and you're just getting in right now, we are closing up, but I want to encourage you, uh, friend Carlos and watch some of his videos. They're good. Um, mm-hmm. He speaks with wisdom, and I think he's a listener before he's a speaker, and I think yeah. it was evident here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, thank you again, Carlos, if you're uh, re-listening to this, and uh, thank you guys for being a part of this uh, podcast. With that said, I also want to just say I'm sorry for the uh, surprise wood chipper oh, outside gosh, yeah. during that. Like, this is such a poignant episode, and I was like, you know, not even that can ruin what we need to talk about. So, but anyway, that's what that was. There was a there was a wood chipper out there. Didn't know that the, anybody was getting some tree service done this <laughs> week. But anyway, that's what that was. It's going to be in the final product, even on the podcast. So sorry yeah. for that, but it is what it is. Um, you guys are used to footsteps, you know, of my very heavy footed uh, family and dogs barking. So why not a wood chipper now? So, right. but anyway, with that said, this is the Tag Gear Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And solely Deo Gloria. Gloria.